0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on The Bachelor News Radio Network. And just to remind you, keep tuned. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some changes, and we're going to let you know on on the broadcast of the show. So stay tuned. Also, tonight's show is brought to you by, it will be sponsored by America at the Abyss. Will America Survive? My latest book. It's the election... As the election of 2020 ushered some uncertainty, America works through a pandemic made worse by government policy, a crime rate, riots hit urban centers, and a controversial election. This book examines the trends of the past 18 months to examine government policies that you know took away our freedoms, divide the virus, and end up killing more lives than Polly did. And I detail all of that. And we also talk about... You know, whether or not the Republican Party can combine the populism of Trump with the conservatism of Reagan, and synergy both possible and needed to create this new coalition, ladies and gentlemen, America at their best. Will we survive? Well, if you want to know, buy the book. You can buy the book on LibertyHillPublishing.com. It's available for pre-order right now, or you can pre-order it through Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. So. America at the Abyss. Will America survive? And now we have on the show uh, Claire Davila. And Claire is works now with the Senior Project. I guess, is it the Senior Project where Freedom works? What is your exact title? Hello.
0: Hello, Tom. I, I um I am uh, working with Freedom Works Foundation as the director of
1: senior initiatives. Senior initiative, yes. Okay. Now the reason why I, I you know, you and I have had this conversation, uh you know, you've you you know, you know, for like I say, to let people know, you know, you've done work on behalf of the foundation. So we've worked together and we've also worked together got yes. this, uh, 2000, 2014 project in which we yes. uh
0: Yes, sir. Uh, we so we, uh, well, we were sharing the conservative. It was a Hispanic post was a uh, a platform yeah. to reach out to primarily the Hispanic business community uh, in the uh, United States, of which there are many, yeah. and uh, we wanted yeah. to share conservative ideas with them.
1: Yeah, and so that that uh, yeah, we so it's so this is like I say under uh, complete disclosure, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, uh, Claire. And I brought her on because she has put together what I thought is one of the best things I have read in a long time as far as it's, and we're going to go over this. It's the Financial Freedom Toolkit. It's, you know, it was the Center for Economic Freedom with the Freedom Works. But it's, I'm going to put it this way. This is not a, I'm not going to view this as a partisan type of toolkit. It's more of if you read it. It gives you good advice, especially if you're 20 or you're 30 years old, how best to prepare for the future, your financial future. And I want to kind of, and I'm going to begin it uh, with this, because I want people to kind of understand and put it this way. In 1980, the stock market, I think, was around 1,000. And between 1980 to about the, going into about 2007, uh, 63% of Americans became investors. That more than doubled what was in nineteen eighty. So you had Americans and you had a market that pretty much went up by twenty times. That means if you put in a thousand dollars in nineteen eighty, you would that thousand would have turned into twenty thousand. You can not imagine and if you had basically been putting in a little bit, a little bit year by year by year, where you would be financially speaking. In 2007, 2009, you had the Great Recession, and and in the last set of data I've seen, we saw a drop in Americans participating in the investor class. About, it went from 63 to 53 percent in about every group. The only exception to this I can think of was uh, people over the hundred thousand were the only group that basically increased. Other groups decrease across the board. And what this means is that the market went up by three times from 2009 to the present, close to three times. And a lot of people lost the opportunity to gain wealth to save for their retirement. And what this toolkit does, it gives people a reason to get back into the investment and how to grow your nest egg. And so I am going to start with chapter one, and we're going to go by the chapters and and your an essay, when, how, and why do I grow grow my savings? So why don't you try and get to the very basic of why get started now? If I'm 20, what should I be thinking about? Explain why it's important to start putting money away.
0: Uh. Tom, it's my pleasure to be on this afternoon, this evening, and um, to share some of these ideas. I, um, my background has really been in investment management. I was in the financial industry and as an investment manager, Tom, for about um, 28 years. And um, we, you and I not only connected in, with the Hispanic Post, but we also started my senior initiatives program with a poll that you helped me conduct, really measuring in the United States how much Americans had saved for their retirement. And this financial freedom toolkit was inspired by that poll three years ago where we discovered that Americans that are entering their late 50s or 60s really don't have a lot of retirement savings. And so I wanted to really create uh, just a short eight chapter 15 page booklet that would help young people start their savings now no matter how little they had with the understanding that even though our country has many conflicts and issues and as you spelled out at the beginning of the podcast here that you know there's a lot of conflict over voting rights there's a lot of conflict over the last election etc but this is still a nation that really creates prosperity and opportunity every day and every hour so even if you start investing as a young person in your 20s or 30s just a small amount the companies that the united states is able to really grow and allow to prosper creates an opportunity for ourselves as savers to begin investing the wealth in this nation in 2021 totaled 141.7 trillion dollars i mean that's just a massive accumulation of wealth that has happened three ways through people owning their businesses through investing in the stock market the public companies and through real estate so what we're going to do is really start with um, why our free markets and why our opportunities in america are so special to allow us to create our savings even today, we are in the middle of a technology transformation, which means that every company is going to digitize or digitally transform their operations to be more efficient, to be faster, to be more productive, and to be more opportunistic in the years ahead in ways that maybe you and I can't even imagine right now.
1: Yeah. So the first thing oh, yeah, Here's to start... the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please. Go ahead. Uh, go... I was going oh, no, to ask you because please. the first... Yeah, the real one, start saving early. All right? Right. So, I mean, these are some of the points you make. So, talk about start saving early. Why should I you – No. Know, well, if I'm 25 years old, why should I start saving now?
0: Because the most important asset you have when you're young, you the young people may say, oh, I only have $100 or I don't have any money and I can't save. But the point is, is that you have time. So, if you were able to buy one share of Apple, say, in 1980 – your return today, after 40 years, would be 100,000%. Now, a company like Apple doesn't come across every day, but you would have been able to buy one share for $20. So the point is, is that find uh, the S&P index is a great overall exposure to the market. You can put as little as $100. And as long as you start saving early, even small amounts, Make a determination to save a small amount. If you can't do it each month, maybe do it twice or three times a year. And most importantly, if your business, if you're employed at a company, check to see if they have a 401K and make sure you invest in that 401K because the company can match it.
1: Now hold on to thoughts, Tom Nelson. I'll be right back here with Claire
0: A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: This particular segment will brought to you by America at the Abyss. Will America Survive? My latest book uh, published by Liberty Hill Publishing. Uh, it's a libertyhillpublishing.com. And you can get a, a pre-order this book right now through Liberty Hill, or you can go to Amazon, or you can go to BarnesandNoble.com. They're all available. And the time has come. America the best. Will America survive? Well, it's, you're probably saying, will they survive? Well, you have to buy the book to find out. So this is – uh and, okay, back to Claire. That's a good point. Now, the other thing, you say take advantage of technology resources. Yes, you know. sir. Go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. Well, the one thing that's changed – so dramatically when i got into the business in the 80s last century there were um, there was no internet right and there was there was there were no technology tools there were no apps there was nowhere you could get information on the markets or on companies except going into the library or going to financial institutions themselves personally now you can go online and find so much information You can go, and I'll share some other names in the later chapters, chapter five, but you have Robinhood, you have Acorns Invest, you have all kinds of information you can find online to give you some reassurance that you know what you're doing and you feel comfortable making an investment in the stock market. And so that information is, is profound, is called, if you want another name for it, it's financial technology or fintech. And that's a growing, massively growing area to take advantage of for free online information.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay, obviously make a budget. You know, figure out your savings plans and then make purchases of stocks and but you kinda of make the point, you know, make a realistic budget so you can include this as part of your budget. Right. And right. No, please. And then invest your investment here's the ch- rule for your invest- Investing clarity will help you better understand public policy with a better understanding of the market. So, kind of explain that. You know, investing sure. clarity will help. Sure. Well, everyone knows. Uh, you know, you see the two political parties
0: arguing about free markets or arguing about taxation, capital gains tax, spending plans. Once you become an investor in America. And in the markets you have actually a slightly better understanding about taxes what we mean when capital gains taxes are going to be increased because your assets and your investments as they increase if you take a profit that taxation impacts you my point being that it gives you a better understanding of what the debate is when we talk about free markets and we talk about taxes and we talk about spending policy and federal budgets, that's the main thing, Tom.
1: Okay. So, yeah, now let's go to chapter uh, chapter two. And this is, again, is a very, interesting, a very interesting chapter because it talks about the power of longevity investing. And you kind of give an idea of what you can accomplish even starting out a little bit.
0: And we give some examples here where if you start with $3,000 today and you put only $100 a month uh, for the next 10 years, basically those numbers would grow and compound over time into the tens of thousands of dollars. Now, I give a, I give a, certain, um, I give a certain return assumption, and we can never be sure, what the market is going to return. But my point is that you can see your money grow over time. And I for one, am hundred percent invested in the stock market, I might add. Um, and I don't know what the market's going to return this year. but the point is is not to be frightened or stressed by volatility. As long as you become a long-term investor, you don't measure your returns just year to year. You understand that you're in there for the long haul and you have confidence, as I do, that the that these companies will continue to perform and outperform and grow your savings. So just as an example, I give a small example about my sadness that we never took our Social Security taxes and put a small amount, just a tiny amount, 5% of all of the Americans' taxes into Social Security, the investment fund. Um, when President Clinton actually was a big advocate of that idea, and Republicans pushed it very strongly and called it privatization. The point being that the Dow was 8,000 at that time frame in the early 90s. Now the Dow is 37,000 today. So, again, all these examples show how the markets grow over time. And I believe the markets will continue to grow over time because we have the best and the brightest people, really, in the markets investing and growing companies. And there's more transparency than ever, which means that you get much more visibility into company activities and actions. um, Because they we have 24-7 media coverage and we also have the internet and all kinds of information flows that keep us as investors informed. So I feel more than confident that we're going to see enormous returns in the years and the decades ahead.
1: Well, okay, now, uh, let me kind of, yeah, it, let me, because there's the other aspect you came in, because you make some pretty interesting numbers, and I wanted to kind of follow, because let's say if I retired in 1951, and that would have been pretty much that first group, because I think the first Social Security check was 1940. So basically, right. if I, you know, so if you were 65, it was, it, yes, if you are 65, retired it would have cost you you, you could have had twenty eight thousand dollars and that would have been enough to retire uh right now today you're looking at a uh, five hundred and forty one thousand dollars is pretty much what you would cost on the average to have a re- comfortable retirement first of all how do those how would you calculate those numbers when you say how do you define comfortable retirement
0: well um well of course In the last 50 years, you know, um, well, since 1951, of course, you know, housing, you could have bought a beautiful home for $25,000, you know, and healthcare was much, 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 much cheaper. Um, On the other hand, today, um, healthcare is much more expensive as is housing, as is caregiving, much more expensive, but the technology for healthcare has also improved dramatically. So in that 70-year period, Tom, our lifespans have increased by 20%. So we are actually comfortably living into our 80s and 90s today. Now, not everyone, but, but a greater and greater portion of the population. So that means the cost to retirement is much greater. And so because we're living to older age, that also increases the out-of-pocket health care costs that we may have to come up with because many people, in fact, most don't know that nursing home care is not covered by Medicare. So only if you're very yeah. poor does Medicaid cover it, but those facilities are certainly not you know, the highest grade facilities. But Medicare does not cover assisted living facilities. That has to come out of your own pocket. Mm-hmm. All so right. 500,000 yeah. may not be enough. That's why we're urging, you know, younger people save as much as you can, and now so that you have enough by the time young people in their 20s and 30s retire. You know, we might be looking at a million dollars as a cost to retire in some parts of the country, yeah. if not more.
1: Yeah. So well, here's the other thing. You do a uh, inflation calculator too. Because this is, I think this is kind of interesting. It goes along because you put those numbers down, and then you have an inflationary calculator that I think it's very interesting, but it kind of shows people an item, what it, an example. I, I'm saying right now, if something cost a $1 dollar in 1980, it's going to cost what three dollars and thirty-seven cents today. Right. Uh, and so it's. And so right. Yeah. So that's so the other that's...
0: policy issue that we watch very closely, and you discuss, Tom, is that the reason that we really are critical of inflation and we need to fight it is because it it basically disintegrates your your cost your uh, the power of your yeah. your purchasing power over time.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now the other thing too is is you got a compound interest calculator. So, uh, uh, Nerd Wallet. kind of explain that. Yeah. What is you know...
0: uh, again? It's another way of, and Nerd Wallet has a compound interest calculator that just more or less, uh, basically would a dollar costs it basically dollar flows the numbers that I'm talking about. So you can calculate. Decide to start with four thousand dollars, and I put in a hundred dollars a month for the next thirty years, and my stock portfolio makes 10% a year, how much will I make after 30 years? How much will I have in my savings? And so that calculator will determine you have $307,000 in your account as long as the market averages out 10% a year, which is, again, not unrealistic. You know, a lot of estimates are 4% or X%. But the point is, is over time, the... um, to give you an example, the stock market over time in the last 30 years has probably averaged close to 10% in the last 30 to 40 years. 2008 during the financial crash and 2009 were devastating because the market was down 30%, 40% you know, in, the, in, those two, in that two-year period. And so that's why the numbers are just under 10%. But um, establishing, you know, eight to ten percent is not an unrealistic expectation if you are a stock market investor focused on the technology side, which is growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, so that's
1: what the so, calculator does. Yeah, so basically, what it does it gives you kind of an idea. If I put this amount away, this is what I can look forward to down the road. And obviously. You know, as you get older you're gonna actually your income should actually continue to go up and so that means that in effect you can in fact even invest even more. And Correct. so this money could actually Definitely. It's,
0: Definitely, you know, Tom. And also and also again, what's what we need what we need to really encourage everyone, uh and I mean whether you're young or whether you're middle aged or old, in your middle to older years Stay invested in your IRA as long as you can and definitely invest in 401k and have the employer match that 401k retirement savings and put all that money in stocks because that grows tax-free over time. So that's why these numbers are so realistic, 10% double-digit returns over decades, because that money is growing tax-free. That's why rich people get rich. (laughs) That's why they take advantage of tax-advantaged vehicles, and you can too.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's I was about to say because this is basically, you know, these are programs that, for the most part, gives, let's say, middle class and people just starting work, the same, you know, a lot of different advantages of tax and tax breaks and tax benefits uh, to go along with that. So now chapter three is basically tips from top investors in financial (laughs) tech in
0: the world. Yeah. In the world of financial tech. And I just showed a few, um, I gave a few examples and, and of course one of my favorite actually Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, he was a financial executive and he started his own financial company. Um, so I've never uh I've never found anyone that has more real insight, really great insight into the power of the financial uh world and financial literacy. So, um I included him because he gave the very time-tested advice that success is created in the studio apartments and garages, kitchen tables and classrooms across our country. Success and and economic growth is not created in conference rooms in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so the point here yeah. is that Americans create the economic success that our country has benefited from for You know what?
1: Years. I did not – I have to be honest. I did not know he was a – into the financial – like into the financial advisor. Yes. Yes.
0: He, he was a financial advisor, and then he started his own insurance company. He's an entrepreneur, and um, he had a great mentor, he, he, he grew up with a single mom in North in South Carolina, very poor, and he was mentored by a manager at Chick-fil-A who told him, um, found him in the mall and started mentoring him and told him, being an employee is great, so get a good job and do well, but hiring employers uh, employees is even better. So he encouraged him to be an entrepreneur. And um, they were great friends. Unfortunately, the Chick-fil-A manager died early from cancer, so he didn't get to see uh, Senator Scott become a senator and uh, very successful yeah. in Washington. But the point here is, you know, these, this whole point that um, D.C., you know, sometimes pretends that they create our livelihoods and they create our opportunities, and the opposite is true. <laughs> Americans create these opportunities. And all of these people in this chapter uh, emphasize that, including my favorite um, fintech company called Acorns, who said, most people who have wealth today came from nothing. Parents came from nothing. So this idea that anyone can grow wealth is central to what we do. So Acorns educates, provides uh, insight and facts and education elements, so that you can invest and understand what you're doing.
1: Yeah, hold on to that. Thought. This is Tom down Johnson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We'll be right back talking uh, the Financial Freedom Toolkit with Claire Davila
2: and. You might know me on Fifty Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are, a few in a six degrees separate us.
1: We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers,
2: your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America.
1: A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can pre-order my latest book, America at the Abyss. Will America Survive? Uh through Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and Pub- LibertyHillPublishing.com, Liberty Hill which is uh, associated with Salem Media. So order now and you'll and you'll and you'll ask and you'll probably think of some more time, will America survive? Well you gotta buy the book to get the answer. So uh now we're you know back here with Blair with and uh, uh all right, here's a – let me let me throw this. Uh, here's an interesting uh, – is a person either disciplines his finances or his finances disciplines him. Uh, that was Oren Woodward. So I, I thought that was pretty good.
0: <laughs> True enough. Um, the lesson being that you either um, – now, again, this doesn't include people that have unexpected tragedies or disasters, you know, um, where you're, you know, you have an unexpected health illness that takes all your savings or there's a disaster and all of a sudden you lose your house burns down and you don't have insurance. But the point here is that um, you dis- by disciplining your finances, what you do is consistently grow your savings a little bit every day or excuse me, a little bit every year, put it away, don't touch it. And um, make sure that, you know, you're happy with your job, you're happy with your wage, uh, certainly your income. If you're not, find a place where that where your income can grow and where um, you are able to feel that you'll grow your opportunities and your finances over the decades. If you don't do those things and find yourself in deep debt, credit card debt, you know, unexpected say unexpected savings gaps, then your financial, the finances discipline you, and you find yourself in trouble. And so, with understanding, which, understanding, you know, on how to really balance your debt, don't go over the top, and make sure you keep track of it carefully relative to your income, and save some money as often as you can.
1: Which leads us be, out of chapter four, because right. these are the you know five worst financial mistakes to avoid. Uh, number one not establishing a rainy day explain
0: yeah I think uh, the most important thing and many in your podcast have probably heard this always put some savings aside for an unexpected consequence and people estimate six months of your salary and that's probably a good rule of thumb Um, whatever your salary is make sure you keep that in the bank don't invest that in stocks just in case, because if you do have a tragic, some type of consequence, you need that money right away. So keep it in the bank. Keep it in the money market fund and keep that available, six months of your income. If you can't do six, do three months, but have something so that you don't take money out of a credit card that charges 25% or 18% interest. That's crazy, and, and don't ever do that. Make that an absolute last resort.
1: All right. Learn to invest wisely. Don't confuse trading with investing. This is very good advice, but explain what you mean by that.
0: Right. So the first thing I would do if I was uh, an early, a first-time investor or a young investor, even an old investor that feels concerned about volatility, buy high-quality stocks or, more importantly, buy the S&P, the Standard & Poor's Index, which gives you exposure to 500 companies. They're all high-quality companies, and that keeps you uh, safe in terms of anything that can happen. Quite frankly, I mean that sincerely. But, you know, you're supposed to put that away and not trade it every day. Um, If you're in very, very, very high-volatility elements like Bitcoin or any of the cryptocurrencies, those are highly volatile extremely volatile areas to invest. People normally trade those things and that's very different from investing for the long term. You know, so that's not so, to say that you don't buy bitcoin, you know, but my point is that buy high quality stocks if you're just starting out and stay invested there.
1: Yeah. Well, here's a the, 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 like I guess I want to kind of follow up on it because I think it's a good point because basically I'm reminded of the old line in gambling, the house always wins. And when right. you start playing the mark, market like, okay, I'm going to try to outsmart the market, that doesn't always work. Whereas if you just simply let it ride, you know. Right, you know, the right. Odds, the odds are in your favor. And I think that right. that, it, it, and I that's think exactly that's really right. sound advice.
0: That's exactly
1: and, right. Which, which also goes right into, you know, when we talk about investing versus trading, selling too early or wicked or liquid portfolios in a panic. And right, we've right. had so cer- we've had our share of panics just in the past decade, two thousand and seven and certainly in the early part of two thousand and twenty, uh, when we had the lockdown, the pandemic. So Right. Again, that's kind exactly of exactly right, that. Right, that's exactly right. The, the old saying
0: here holds true time and time again, which is you build your wealth However you you define your wealth, you build it by the time in the market, not timing the market. None of us will be able to tell what the high is and what the low is on any given day or any given year uh, or after any given unexpected consequence. So you stay invested as long as you're with high-quality companies just ride it out that's what I did when the disaster happened in 2008 and we thought the banking system was going to go into the Great Depression you know you just ride out these these uh, volatility elements and you don't try to time the market because it's impossible we just don't have a crystal ball and also in the sit with the same note uh, I mean I do watch CNBC I do watch the uh, business channels, but they create a lot of drama as well. (laughs) So make sure you don't fall prey to being swayed by, is this the top of the market or is this the bottom of the market? Because particularly this year, we'll probably see a lot of volatility, Tom. You know, as the Federal Reserve raises rates to deal with inflation or we have all kinds of policy conflicts, that it's going to be volatile. So stay steady. That wins the race every time.
1: Misunderstanding your earning potential relative to your expenses. Explain that. Yes, That's another so, mistake so, that you're talking about.
0: Yes, exactly. I think you know I'm a big fan of the retail of retail and retailing and all this, but um but it's really important not to overspend. What that means: spend too much on a new house, or spend too much on you know clothing, shoes, travel, when your income level can't match spending and I go back to the fact you just don't want to take out credit card debt in vast sums or even moderately high sums because the interest rates there they're designed to make money by charging you 18% okay on on that credit card debt so you real that really is what eats into your savings the saddest of this right now that students are facing is student debt And, you know, again, my, my view there is I am a fan of college, but I'm not a fan of a student graduating with $300,000 in student debt. I just, and, and if that student is going to work in social work and make 50,000 a year, it doesn't make sense to carry that kind of debt. You know, you can go to a community college, you can go to, you can have alternative educational sources and not be burdened by hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt is going to create havoc in your life in the, in the
1: decades to come. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe the way it, it comes down to, you know, you know, making that decision, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You're going into college, but right. also looking at the colleges themselves is a different I mean, you can get a decent education at a state university versus yes. a very expensive private education. And, you know and i I, again, I nothing against theater major, uh, manage you know, theater you know master's degree in theater or right. art or whatever right. but I always thought to myself I can remember during the um, Occupy Wall Street and they interviewed this gentleman who this is like in New York and he's saying how he got this master's degree in theater art, and I thought to myself, you know there is a wasted master's degree in a city where you are dozen." <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of the people who are, you know, who basically already made it basically didn't go to college to get a master's degree. They learned it on the job or they learned their acting or their – and I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people, you know, need to sit back and ask themselves, okay, where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? That type of deal. And also uh, because it's – like I said, you don't – not everything needs a college education. Per se, right or certainly you got to sit back and say but what, you know God, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this but there's a limit to what you can accomplish with a women's study degree or whatever know. Degree it is there <laughs> it, there you
0: no know, there is i mean and and again tom to put you to put you what you're saying in context if you're going to if you're going to come out of that school with those studies and have $200,000 in debt, I mean, that takes a long time to pay off if you can pay it off, and it postpones your ability to buy a home, maybe start a family, yeah. you know, all these things. And, and I think that's a real – we have to reexamine that very closely for the generations to come, let alone, you know, the kids that have that kind of burden right now. It's um, – yeah. I would say there are lots of alternatives now. That that there did not exist years from the, years ago, yeah. And young people
1: should take advantage of it. And the last, I mean, the last thing, real quick, is uh, you know, avoiding online frauds or frauds in general. You know, to me, as a simple case, if somebody calls you up and say, "I like to be in your investment uh, portfolio," I would say that's probably not yet the way to do. It. I would go with <laughs> you know, experienced local people. Yeah, you know, experience. I mean, like I said, I've been with you know. Right now with Merrill Lynch, I, and I, you know, I've had a financial advisor now for like almost 30, you know, close to four decades. But it was, you know, somebody we inherited who had a reputation. And then, and since then, we're on like our third or first investor, important investment uh, individual that we work with. But it's, you know, these are people and they also understand their goals and your objectives. And I think that's very important. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, That's the Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
2: A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top ten finishes in NASCAR? 1 in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? 1 in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? 1 in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
1: And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the final segment of this show is going to be brought to you by America at the Abyss, Where America Survived, my latest book. Uh, You can get this book on LibertyHillPublishing.com, also on Amazon.com. You can pre-order it right now. It'll be out at the end of the month, but you can pre-order it right now, and um, and, you, and you'll even get the answer to the question, Will America Survive? But you have to read the book to get the answer. Uh, and now we're going into Chapter 5, Digital Tools. Now, this is something, again, I didn't deal with this, when I'm, and I don't deal with it now, but obviously people, younger people are much more attuned to this. So kind of talk about some of the digital tools that are available.
0: Sure. Um, so, Tom, one of the great things that have changed in the last um, 30 years and really, help, really a great advantage to younger investors is that all these digital tools are available. And a lot of these digital tools also have much cheaper to zero fees. Um, it used to be, and you were talking about Merrill Lynch and I'm with Newberger Berman, and you pay a 1% fee, you know, they manage your money and they make your investment decisions for you. But um, 1% is still a lot of money, and trading commissions used to be much more expensive as well. So all of these new digital tools are either free or cost just a few dollars. And Acorns will help you make investments, and you can open up account an account and get information on uh, types of investments that fit your personality and your interests and your goals betterment is also a, a wealth management tool solely a wealth management tool again that you can get invested online now i have no connection to any of these companies i'm just sharing examples of how wealth management is online now uh, in, investment information is online Robinhood is probably the most famous because it was the big trading tool for uh, game stock uh, stopped and all these other companies. In fact, during the COVID pandemic first year, you know, you had 25 million millennials that uh, signed up on Robinhood to be stock traders and to make investments and that type of thing. And so they had a swashbuckling kind of uh, uh, type of uh, persona. And they also very much talked about crypto, which crypto is very important to the younger generation. In fact, uh, the millennial, the millennials that are probably closer to 40 now, uh, I would say certainly more than 50% of them hold crypto in their accounts. So those areas will be very important today and will only increase in interest for the younger generation as we go forward. So all these companies, and there are probably a couple hundred others, two, three hundred others, and that number will grow in the years ahead. But they really are, I think, trustworthy. You can check into them and do business and um, I think have the advantage of having a a ream of
1: information that doesn't cost you a lot of money. Okay, let me ask you a quick question because here's the thing. Like I say, you know, I mean, you know, I basically I meet with my invest, my advisor once a month. We sit down, we look at everything. Yeah, we look at what's the what's going on there. on the economic side. I mean, yeah, we look at a different portfolio that kind of deal. And, and let me ask you this question: Is there any place with any of these apps where, or is there any one of these? I know it's like Tornado Investor, which I'm not familiar with, but they have a money mentor or oh, that's right. That's uh, the thing. Yeah. And so, is there um, any place where I can that your person can get online and say? You know, talk to somebody say, hey, look, what's going on? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I read this, uh, this bill, this health thing, you know, this uh, economic thing is coming down the, you know, this congressional bill is coming down the pike. How is this going to impact, you know, do they have that ability to find that individual, individual they can talk to as an advice advisor? Right.
0: So um, I didn't include it in this list, but that's a very good question, Tom. So you can open up a Fidelity account and or Charles Schwab and believe me they are low cost as well to no cost you can make your own investment decisions you know I'll buy the S&P index or I'll buy arc innovation fund ETFs exchange-traded funds and you can talk to somebody there and it might cost a few extra dollars you know but fidelity Charles Schwab Vanguard probably has something and um, those companies uh probably among the three of them manage trillions of dollars but there is someone you can definitely talk to you know there uh online there's also Elvest, which specializes in women investment investing and um, they also have someone that you could probably talk to you know and you can always you can always go back to the regular firms as well you know the fees are just somewhat higher so it depends on what you're looking for. And if you talk to Merrill and I talk to Newberger, you know, we can talk to them whenever we want. So in a way, it's what you get for, what you pay for.
1: Oh, yeah. Now let's go to the crypto. I, mean, I know it's Chapter 7. I want to I'll get back to Chapter yes. 6 on inflation. Chapter yeah, happening cryptocurrency. Yeah, what's your thoughts on crypto? I mean, how do you view this as an investment tool?
0: Um, well, I think you know, the main thing I would say for young younger generations, you know, Gen X boomers are least, have least exposure to crypto. We only have 4% of our assets in crypto. Yes. I actually have zero right now, but I'm going to add to it by yeah. buying Coinbase. Um, millennials have over 50%, and you know, Gen Y probably will have 60, 70, 80%. Um, so I think that they're much more comfortable with volatility. Uh, they basically feel okay this thing's going to go back and forth and bitcoin is the biggest name out there there are probably two thousand different cryptocurrencies some better than others so buyer beware and if you want exposure to crypto the safest way to do it is probably just to buy the coinbase stock coinbase is the platform where these digital currencies are traded so that gives you exposure um, I think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency has a future. This is a debate that is um, that is constantly taking yeah. place. Some people don't buy into it. But the reason I think it's going to have a major um, impact 20, 30 years from now or longer is, um, you know, young people, Tom, you know, and you and I have both talked about this often. Yeah. They don't think Social Security will be there for them. And they also worry about the debt getting to a hundred trillion and the value of the dollar in the decades ahead. I don't think that's an unrealistic
1: concern. No, that's not an concern. Well, here's the thing because yeah, it, it, to me it's okay, right now Bitcoin is forty-two thousand uh, dollars. Yes, yes. So I've been keeping. <laughs> you know, it, well, the reason why I bring this up, is, i bring this up because you know I have a, a you know since June because I I'm like you, I'm zero. You know, yeah, I'm zero. And I've been sitting there debating, you know, do I put a portion or something, just to play around with it. And and I have to be honest with you. I mean, you mentioned Coinbase. Is the other aspect is this is digital, and and while they are guaranteeing you, a you can't be hacked or whatever. But still, this is aspect of digital. You can be hacked. Makes them... Definitely. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So when yeah. I say Coinbase, what I'm talking about here, and I'm talking, I am super conservative because I'm really afraid of being hacked. But that's just me. And um, yeah. I'm not talking about going on Coinbase. You can go on Coinbase.com and buy a cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, what I mean right. is buy the Coinbase stock. Which is trading at 230 or something. So you just buy that stock and if Bitcoin goes back to 100,000, Coinbase will go to 500. You see what I'm saying? It'll rise in price yeah. significantly yeah. as well. So, so I, but, oh. but young people go on Coinbase and buy crypto all day long, you know, so, or on yes. other platforms. And um, I think the crypto hacking will continue, but I also think the security elements will be, Will also strengthen over time. So um, kids are kids are buying ether. So ether is yeah. much cheaper. I don't. I can't remember what it's trading now, but it's like a couple hundred dollars or three. You know, yeah. three hundred
1: dollars. Well, it it's is much lovely, cheaper you know, is, now the thing is with Bitcoin. And again, I, I'm not sure how but the other how The other works. I know with Bitcoin, it's X percent. I mean, it's it's like an old gold standard in the sense that there was X percent of gold out there that's been yes. Bought. And so yes. it was never you – know, I mean, you just can't increase – you have gotta increase the amount of gold uh, based on how much you can actually dig out of the ground. And if you dig X percent out, it's it. That's it. And Bitcoin basically is designed. You know, I mean, it's X number. There's X number of Bitcoins available to buy. And there's yes. nothing more, nothing less. So, uh, And so my you – know, so I think that's – and I'm not sure the other crypto currencies are in that – same well same line and you know i have to be honest with i mean part of my problem i always have with bitcoin would be you know to me currency is something you can buy you know buy things with and obviously i never could but on the other side of the equation i'm always kind of wondering will this be like the new gold or this go alongside with gold when you have inflationary uh, inflationary issues coming into play and suddenly okay you know is that a possibility
0: Yes. Yes. So that's the big debate. And let me tell you, Fidelity has made a big commitment to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin Skybridge has a, you know, the hedge fund of funds has a Bitcoin, you know, fund. And so I think, you know, whereas some others don't think, I think Jamie Dimon at at JP Morgan was more skeptical, but I don't know. You know, what I think is, I think it's like anything else. It's, um, this is just the beginning, the end of the beginning, you know. I believe that there are going to be transformations fifty years from now. Okay, so if you know, a twenty two year old is buying Ether, cryptocurrency, I think they have a good reason to worry about how governments are managing their finances.
1: <laughs> I well, mean they're going in yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, yeah basically. Yeah, I mean, basically, what you got is a fiat currency, and I could, you, you know, know what? I mean, we've been off yeah. the gold, we've been off the gold standard since the ni- early 1970s, and and even though, let's say, the 1980s, you had people, you know, who tried to tie the dollar to some sort of uh, base, you know, well, I, you know, several bases. I remember that was a big thing. What was that? The gentleman who was the Fed Reserve, Allen. used to be Alan the,
0: Greenspan.
1: Alan Greenspan, yes. I mean, that was one of the things that he would never tell you he was doing that. But, you know, it was always rumored that he was looking at a series of base. But obviously, the inflation issue is an issue, again, that uh, impacts your investment. So, very briefly, we're getting close to the end of the show. You know, how should you think of an investor think of inflation when thinking of investment?
0: Right. So, I think um, when the the biggest inflation hedges – and by no means do I think we're going back to the 70s where we had 14% inflation at the high um, and um, an oil shock and all these other things. But if we get to 8% this year, don't be surprised. You know, we're at 6.8 today. So the best inflation hedges are definitely not bonds because you have 10-year Treasuries, U.S. Treasury bonds, yielding 1.8%. Okay, so inflation yielding 68 means that you're you're losing five percent of your inflate of your investment every year Um, so stocks are the best inflation hedges Um, real estate is a very good inflation hedge and the debate is that supposedly gold is an inflation hedge but it's had not a kind of volatile uh, history in the last year but the point is commodities is supposed to be a very good inflation hedge and um, while the jury is out this year so far, those are the three things to look at. If you own real estate, that's very good. Own some stocks. The market has sold off significantly. Putting a few dollars in is a really good idea. And um, a, a safe investment would be JP Morgan. Now, I'm not giving you stock advice. So I'm just giving you examples that has a 3% yeah. dividend. You know, So those are the things that you want to look at. Again, there's going to be a lot of political volatility, you know, volatility and spending. And those things are not good for um, inflation. And uh, we've had other issues that have caused inflation, as you know. Uh, Energy-wise, cutting off energy sources is really bad for uh, overall inflationary uh, issues. So those are things to really
1: uh, worry about. Okay, but last not chapter. enough
0: to change your investments.
1: Pardon me. Yeah. 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 The last chapter review of, let me make sure I get the chapter correctly here. Responsible review of debt. Explain
0: Right. Right. So uh, interest rates are going to be moving higher. How fast they go, I don't know. And um, mortgage rates just went from 2.6% eight five to three point four. So we're still in very low interest rate um uh I interest rate say, mortgage. Yeah. yeah, we're still really I can low. Remem- but
1: I mean I can remember interest rates eighteen <laughs> percent.
0: Yeah definitely. Definitely. So you yeah. just want to make sure that you always part of responsible investment in a a finan- financial picture is making sure that you keep track of how much debt you're taking on and as little credit card debt as you can, uh, unless it's an emergency, you know you always want to keep that on the low side because there's no reason to pay those kind of rates. And as far as student debt goes, you know they they have high interest rates too, unfortunately. So you want to keep a handle on on that um, because if you carry those debt, the student debt was mostly what I was referring to. That if you carry hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt for a long time, you're going to have a problem in the years ahead.
1: Yeah. And um, and I know I like you say you state the average debt was like 37,000. But, uh, you know, if you go to high back, uh, that is going to be quadruple. At least. <laughs> so, yes, yes, it is. And I guess
0: it so, it's back- that, yeah, so it's something that, yes, it's a tough issue right now for young people, you know, in terms of carrying that debt, just make sure now has never been a better opportunity to get a high-paying job you know I mean you really can uh, the the competitive environment for high-paying jobs is great right now because you've had so many people leave the workforce Uh, you know 40% of boomers are retired uh, 45% are retired so you so basically if you're an employee you're in the driver's seat to find a really great paying job with a great 401k,
1: take advantage of it. Right, okay, okay, I'll tell you what, we, we're about the last minute and a half of the show, so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, first of all, where can people get this booklet? Is there a place where they can download this booklet?
0: Uh, well, thank you so much, Tom. We're gonna be putting it online uh, on our FreedomWorks.org web- that website. And you'll find me under retirement readiness, and so we'll
1: have it there
0: uh, next week.
1: Okay, so next week they can. Yeah, so next week they can go ahead and through FreedomWorks.org, correct? Right, FreedomWorks and, and...
0: FreedomWorks.org, and find the financial freedom toolkit. Uh, you know, on our on our website there, or you can contact me at c Del Villar. That's C D E L V I L L A R at freedomworks dot org, and I'll send you a copy uh, directly.
1: The PDF. All right, sounds good. Well, listen, listen. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate you coming on the air, uh, and uh, well, like I say, we'll have to have you back on the air uh, for more of this because I thought this was one. I mean, they I say, this is a excellent idea. That you put together is one of the best things i've seen in a long time and thank you for putting it together this is tom donaldson saying good night from the donaldson files